but now everything around you is changing and it's changing faster than ever be it your customers and on you especially in asia right with budding middle class and people having more disposable income people getting more global access with different markets different preferences it's just like humongous opportunities for the organization how do they capitalize on that Having the diversity in the team, in the thinking is very important. If everyone is thinking the same way, then the chances are that the team is missing many important perspective that you might need for launching a successful product. Hello, welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. The Leaders of Learning is a podcast show that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs. For more information and to listen to our previous episodes, head over to our website at www.leadersoflearning.asia. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Design is everywhere. Design is in our homes, the vehicles we drive, the clothes we wear, the devices we use, and even in the food we eat. People who design spend their waking hours to imagine, conceptualize, brainstorm, reflect, plan, all to solve our everyday problems. The world's leading brands such as Apple, Google, Samsung, General Electric, and many more adopted the design thinking approach to continuously produce innovative products and services. Architects, designers, engineers, innovators, and many others use design thinking to solve the world's problems. But what is design thinking? If it is helpful in solving problems, can we use it in our daily lives and work? Joining us is Shan Sharma, who specializes in design thinking and business innovation. Across four continents and over 15 years, Shan Sharma has worked with startups, consulting, and industry to help them think differently and rapidly deliver client-centric products by identifying commercial opportunities and thoughtfully applying emerging technologies. He has also played a leading role in establishing innovation labs for various global organizations to apply design thinking. Hi, Sean. Hi, really excited to be on the show. Thanks for the opportunity. It's so great to have you with us today. Can you share with us what got you into design thinking? So when I started my experience as a software engineer, as a consultant, I was building softwares for various large organizations. And, you know, the traditional approach of, hey, you work on gathering the requirements and then you develop and then you deliver, which would go on for like a year or even longer. But then I did that for a couple of years and then I started to work for this fast-moving American startup in Florida. And I was part of their digital team and I was their fourth employee in the digital team, and which was very different to the large organization that I had worked with. And I was pretty much responsible to deliver the digital product that the organization was working on. And I guess that's when the default way of working started to come out for me, which was around 
okay, now we have to build a software for this. But who is it for? Let me just talk to them. And let me talk to different people in the organization, different teams. So I started talking to salespeople, started talking to people in call center and started observing what they were doing and who were they building a software for. And then came back to my team, started building. And uh, since it was a young company, so we had the flexibility to kind of take more chances. And I was really intrigued by the process. And that was the approach I was taking because that just seemed to make sense. I was very active in the startup scene as well, just going out, uh, talking to people, attending uh, sessions or pitch events. That kind of fed me some newer ways of working too, which kind of helped me in delivering what I was doing. And just then over time, I came across this article on design thinking. And I was like, whoa, actually, that's how we are operating. But I could see some gaps. So I brought that on board. And it was, I guess, like very early days when IDEO was coming up with these kind of things too. And yeah, I applied that into my work. And I guess just hands-on learning was that's how I came across design thinking. And then it kind of like stoked my curiosity that, Okay, in a smaller, younger organization, I could do it easily. But how does it work in the large organizations? Now I'm even more curious. And it was around the time I was thinking of doing my MBA as well. Then, yeah, I decided to do my MBA and focus on corporate innovation and design thinking. So that's how I came across design thinking. And I've been enjoying it so much that since then, I haven't looked back. I'm like, Ooh, this is what uh, I find really exciting. <laughs> it sounds like design thinking is really your passion and it's something about design thinking it fascinates you so much so that you decide to do an MBA and focus a lot on design thinking and innovation. So what is actually design thinking? So I'll start with what is design thinking. Maybe just for our friends who are listening, uh, just for basic understanding, design thinking is a staged approach that allows you to deliver your products and services for the people who are going to use your products and services. And the staged gated approach allows you to make sure that whatever you are building, it's actually wanted by those people. So it allows you to test along the way to make sure you're not building something that probably will not be needed at all. Because that, as odd as it may sound, it has been happening. And so not only that, that it's needed by people, but it's also that it makes business sense for you to build something. And it's also technology-wise as well, it's feasible for you to build something. And it's uh, the spot stage-gated approach does. It allows you to reduce the risk and also have more control on the spending that you have compared to otherwise where you could spend a lot of time and money only to build something and to find out seven, eight months down the line that it's not actually needed by anyone. So that's what design thinking is. It's a combination of frameworks, but on top of it, it's the mindset. Most importantly is the mindset of how you work when you're working or applying design thinking. So you mentioned the word stage gated. What does that mean? So when we start with any project or any initiative, right? So the first stage probably is just analyzing the situation. Okay, who's involved? What's needed? What's the objective? What do we want to do? And who's in the team? And who's our customer? And all of it. And then we get into the discovery phase, which is around deep diving into the problem space. Okay, okay. we start with a little bit of understanding of our problem. So the first 
page of discovery is around, okay, let's uncover all the layers and understand the people, the end user that is going to use our product. Why do they want it? What's actually the problem that they are trying to solve? What are the challenges they face, right? And once we have developed that crystal clear understanding of the problem statement to start with, we get into the next stage of ideation. Then we're like, okay, all right, now we have the problem. Let's come up with various solutions that how can we address that problem? And then getting the people in the room and coming up, following with various frameworks to come up with solutions and then bringing the solutions together to come up with maybe say two, three potential solutions. And now we have those solutions in our head. What do we do now? Now we build prototype. That's the next stage. Okay, now let's build a prototype and go back to our end user to test it with them that, hey, is it something that you would use or is it the problem that you were talking about? Did we understand it correctly? Now change it, tear it apart. What would you change about this? Or is it an ideal solution, right? So we are engaging the end user throughout the process. And we do a couple of iterations of that to get the feedback on the prototype before we actually start building the real product and launch it in the market. Because now before we start launching, it's been validated with the end user, right? It's been tested with them and they have been engaged throughout the process. So those are the various stages that we use in design thinking. You also mentioned earlier that design thinking is a mindset. Can you describe that a bit more? What you've described is mostly process so far, but how does the mindset work? So if we think of design thinking, it's underpinned by various principles. So whatever we are doing, the first principle, for example, is around that whatever you're doing, customer is at the heart of it. So we are designing it for the end user. I'm not designing it for myself. I'm not designing it for the sales head, but I'm designing it for the end user. So having the mindset for that is very important. That's one principle. So keeping the customer at the center, whatever you're doing at any stage, they are key, the customer. And second is also that there is more doing than talking. So, which means more experimentations along the way. So be willing, be open-minded to conduct experiments, good or bad or ugly, whatever results you get. You fail, you get the learning, feed that back into your process, into the iteration, and keep testing along the way. So that's another uh, principle which I find very, very critical for design thinking. And the third one is the diversity. Having the diversity in the team, in the thinking is very important as well. Because if everyone is thinking the same way, then the chances are that the team is missing many important perspectives that you might need for launching a successful product. And when we want to bring all of these principles to life, it becomes our mindset, becomes a way of operating, it becomes a way of working. So you might follow the framework that, okay, I have to interview people. Okay, I have to observe them. But if you don't have the mindset of, oh, customer is the key, no matter what other people are saying, I have to convince them by using what I have found from talking to customers. So that's where I feel the openness of your mind to be able to find new information and learn from it and take it back and don't get bogged down by your own preconceptions or biases or you know your past experiences. So I guess that's where the mindset becomes really important. It doesn't sound easy at all to adopt this design thinking mindset because depending on where we come from, we might 
learn certain beliefs, might have certain perceptions about things. And if we want to be focused on the user or on the customer, it also means we have to unlearn the things that we've learned so that we can openly and non-judgmentally put ourselves in the shoes of the customer and see from their perspective on how they use our products and services. Definitely. I guess, especially in the beginning, when you get into, uh, if you're new to the process in the beginning, it does get a little bit tricky, but I guess that's the part and parcel of the process too. But the thing is, it's, it's fun. I have not met anyone who got into it and they were like, okay, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. So, you know, people get frustrated along the way because it's a new, like anything new, right? You learn anything new and it kind of challenges your own thinking because you meet people. People say, hey, I've been with this company for 15 years. I know what customers want. I absolutely know. But then you engage them in the process and then either they talk to customers themselves with guided questions that we prepare or we've come back with the information or findings from customers. And then when you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, it's very different. I might say that, hey, I think my customers only likes it on Tuesdays and Wednesday between two to five. But customer says, oh my God, that's the most inconvenient time for me. What works best for me is Thursday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m. And then, you know, it totally blasts our assumptions and what we thought. Then it does get uncomfortable in the beginning because we're like, oh my God, that means I'll have to change everything. But at least what we know is that we'll be changing things for good, for better, for people that we actually care for. So the process in the beginning is hard for someone who's new. And that's the beauty of design thinking because you start to see successive results. So it's not that you have to wait for one year before you start seeing anything positive out of the process, right? So, and uh, that's again, coming back to the stage gated process. So at each stage, you start to see positive results, right? And learnings and that gives you good inputs and that what gives you energy. If you're working on a project and you see a step forward and you learn something, you're like, oh yes, now what's next? Bring it on, right? So... (laughs) Wow. It sounds like design thinking, not just the process, but the mindset itself can really help says individuals to learn and grow and become better persons ourselves. Because when we are open to hear other people's perspective, then our minds will be a lot more open because we realize that people are different and people have different needs. Then it makes me wonder, we've been talking about products and services so far. Are there places where design thinking is best used and are there places where we shouldn't use design thinking? And are there some examples that you can share? Yeah. So I feel, like you said, it's the mindset, right? And mindset is so directly connected with us as individuals. So if I have a mindset, I have a mindset, period, right? So I cannot have a different mindset at work and different mindset at home. So at least I shouldn't. So it's because these days companies want you to bring your whole self to work because only that's when one can be most productive. So that means if I have a way of working, I have a way of thinking, I would apply that doesn't matter what it is. So for example, if I invite my friends for dinner, I would like, oh, okay, so my friends are coming and I know that he really likes certain type of food or that's what he prefers or 
other friend drinks only vodka and gin, for example, right? So to cater to their need, because they're my end users, I will make sure things are designed for them for my dinner when I'm prepping for the evening. It sounds very basic, but that's what we do, essentially. So that's kind of a very basic example of thinking of who's the end user and designing for them. So I don't think that we separate or it's a good idea to separate the mindset from work to life. And I guess once it becomes the mindset, it becomes the mindset. So then you, whatever you do, you apply the same thinking, same process, and sometimes unconsciously we do it. I'm sure many of us do it. Yeah. When we come to work, we come to work as a whole person with our heart, with our mind, with everything. So we don't have different mindsets at work and in life. That's how it is. We are as one human, like we are one person. So in life itself, we do adopt design thinking, but in a smaller manner. So it's just a matter of bringing that into the workplace and applying into the workplace. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. And one thing I would like to add to that is the environment around you plays a very critical role. And I guess that's related to somewhat like broader mindset as well, that whatever you're doing to flourish, you have to make sure that the environment around you is conducive to that. Otherwise, you will only get so far and hit the wall. So if you are trying to do something differently, then you need some sort of support structure around you that fosters that thinking. What do you mean by conducive environment and what kind of support is needed to uh, have design thinking flourish for the workplace and maybe for our life, if you can give some examples? So let me talk about the workplace first and then talk about the life. So for work, right? I talked about the three principles. So the first principle is around like customer is at the heart of whatever we do. So that's the thinking you want people in the organization to have as well, right? So that People care about what customers are saying and their input matters. And the second principle I touched on was also making sure that you're continuously testing and learning. So having that as an accepted way of working in the company that, okay, yes, I'm going to experiment. And if I fail, I will learn and we will pivot. We will move forward, whatever we will do based on what we find. So that's another environmental thing around you that you want. If you want to succeed design thinking in the organization, you want that environment that is conducive to those thinking. The third principle is diversity, making sure that you have diverse people in the organization to actually contribute to the various perspectives that you want in the discussion. So to actually have that happen, you have to have a conducive environment, which brings all the components and the parts that you need. And uh, maybe if I'd explain it with the non-work life, (laughs) right, outside of work. So it's in the very basic terms, I will call it a supportive environment. So depending on people we surround ourselves with, we can either be a success in whatever we do, reach the heights, or we might not even take the first step of whatever we wanted to do. So I just actually talked to a friend, interviewed a friend for my side project, and he has run Grand Slam Marathon, which is around seven continents around the world. He ran a marathon on seven continents and the North Pole, which is quite stunning. So I asked him what the challenges were. And he said, just because when I started, there were people that were telling me, oh, you sure you can do it? Oh, it's going to be really hard. You can, maybe you shouldn't. But it was like, you know, you know something? I just stopped that and I started surrounding myself with people who believed in me, who were supportive. 
And next thing you know that he was just running marathons in different continents, different part of the world, in Antarctica, in North Pole. So that's the conducive environment. So having that positivity around you, having that thinking, having people that believe in you, right? So it's, it's I think that's the key uh, success factor, that environment having the right environment could make or break a deal, whatever that deal is. Yeah. So even if internally you're motivated to want to do something, but if the environment doesn't support you in achieving whatever goal you want to achieve, it, it makes it infinitely harder to want to achieve that goal. Yeah, it definitely does. And uh, with that being said, it does not mean environment cannot be changed. So, you know, one is driven, you can work towards changing the environment, but the main point is that environment is critical the right environment. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit earlier about how a supportive environment is where it allows you to make mistakes and allows you to fail so that you can learn from it. I've been in corporate for a while and not a lot of corporate environments allow for mistakes and allow for failures because when something you tried and you do and it fails, fingers get pointed left, right and center. It's, it's such a difficult kind of culture or environment to reduce and to cultivate something that's more supportive. Definitely. And it is because it's not the conventional way of working. It's something new. It's not integrated in the existing processes. So different organizations, I guess like it is becoming over time clear that prior, you know, the market and the economy and everything was quite stable, all the external factors. So you were working in a very comfortable, consistent fashion. But now everything around you is changing and it's changing faster than ever, be it your customers and now new, especially in Asia, right? If you look for the demographics around us with a budding middle class and people having more disposable income, people getting more global access and many countries in the region with different markets, right? Different preferences. So it's, it's just like humongous opportunities for the organization. How do they capitalize on that? And it's not one size fits all. It's not. And it's not also the way they were working before. Now it's new products, it's new services, or packaging them in a different way or transforming them. But what does that mean? How do we bring those services and products to life? That means we have to test, we have to experiment, we have to find out what will work in what market and what segment and for what demographic. So with time becoming more clear, I think organizations are opening up to experimenting and different Companies take different approaches as well. So some set up center of excellence, some set up innovation labs, some set up a vertical that is focusing on that. In some organizations, they set or sit horizontally. Some have very regional centered labs. Some have global labs. So it's different approaches companies are taking. But I think slowly and slowly, they are warming up to the idea. That sounds great. I mean, if I am an organization and listening to this podcast, I'm thinking, yes, I need to cultivate design thinking in my employees. So what are the first few steps that we could take in order to foster a design thinking kind of culture or to encourage people to learn about design thinking? Yeah. And let me take it from two levels, right? So first you mentioned if some organization is listening to it. So let's break it down into two groups. So one is maybe say the leadership and second is the employees themselves or people who are listening, right? So for the leadership, I feel that the first step essentially is to create that environment 
talk about it, enable people to do it, right? And also make it formal so that people feel that yes, and they hear that the organization is serious about it. So I feel that's very important to have that tone in the communication uh, very visible to the rest of the organization. And that's when people will feel confident and they will know that, okay, so it's very much supported in the organization. So let's do it. So for the leadership, I would say, yeah, definitely make it very visible and make it formal when you do it. And second, for the people, if employees, uh, if they are in this, in any organization and they want to do it, I would say just do it. Start. Don't wait. There's plenty of resources online, you know, get your hands dirty, find the right project, find your advocates in the organization. There's always people who are more willing to take chances than others, right? Find, create your network, create an informal network. It's like grassroots innovation, as they say, right? So start somewhere. And if you really want to learn about design thinking, you can sign up for some project, some social volunteer project outside of your work as well. Because it's something, uh, what, what we talked about earlier, it's everywhere. We can apply it anywhere. There's so many social challenges that have been solved using design thinking in Asia, in Africa, in communities that are less fortunate for their challenges. Design thinking has been helping them big time. And they want people who can help. And don't think that you don't have the skills. We all do. It's just about brushing the dust off, right? And doing it. It's the mindset, as I said. So get online, look for resources. IDEO runs a lot of projects with Acumen and it's ACU, um, MEN Plus. So look that up online. They do a variety of uh, projects. And actually on that note, WHO is running an initiative lately to, they're looking for people who can help them address COVID-related challenges, which is around one is around communication. How do you communicate to the public or how do you stop fake news, right? One theme is around looking after the medical supplies and other things globally. And one theme is around digital learning when people are working remotely and students are working remotely or kids are at home. So there are kind of different themes. And WHO is running this global initiative where they have asked people to sign up and that could be a good opportunity for people who want to build their skills to just talk kind of get connected with like-minded people learn about new skills what are some of the key advice can our listeners take away from our talk today well i would say keep an open mind and take that first step whatever you're wanting to do in the design thinking, wherever you are in your journey, whether you're thinking of learning design thinking or whether you're working towards introducing design thinking into your organization or you're part of the leadership team who's thinking of setting up a department or a team to foster design thinking in the organization. Take that first step. Keep your mind open and do it. Don't wait. Get your hands dirty and do it. Excellent. How can our listeners reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you? So I recently started a vlog. It's called Everyday Heroes with Sean Sharma. And in the vlog, I've been capturing stories of everyday people who are doing amazing things in the world to make this world a better place. So feel free to reach out to me using those vlog channels. Look up Everyday Heroes with Sean Sharma on Facebook. Or if you're on Insta, then it's everydayheroes.com. Sean, S-H-A-N. Yeah, so reach out to me and I would love to hear from you. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Sean, and thank you for being on the show. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. That was Shan Sharma, an expert in design thinking and business innovation. Next week, we will speak to Rebecca Lim, head of A Better World, the digital storytelling initiative of the Singapore International Foundation. We will talk about crafting powerful stories. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us wherever you download your podcast. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also visit our website at www.leadersoflearning.asia to listen to our previous episodes. If you believe this podcast show will help a colleague, friend, or family member, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I'm your host, Ling Ling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast.